All right, Mickey here with an advert for BetterHelp Therapy Online. You all right? Such a small question and sometimes such a big question too, eh? Now, regular listeners will know I am no stranger to depression and while over time and with the help of some decent counselling and brilliant friends and family, I've established a toolkit to help when the constantly dripping tap of life gets a bit too much. That does not mean I am a stress-free human rainbow skipping through meadows. I mean, who is? We all carry around different stresses, big and small, and sometimes we can deal, and sometimes it's much harder to cope. Life, innit? Right now, I have a teenage puppy to deal with, and although I love her very, very much, she can be a lot. There, said it. And as quick a fix as it seems to say, I'm fine, I'm fine, and push it all down into the big inside box and put that lid on. For me, that hasn't been a great long-term solution in that if I don't get it off my chest, it will at some point come bubbling up and it's never been one to pick its moments in a good way. I find talking means I can avoid it exploding out of me like a messy emotional volcano all over my nana's carpet. Also, during my various times in talk therapy, I discovered that saying something out loud or writing it down can make it seem much more manageable than allowing it to swirl around and grow ever bigger in my head. If you're thinking of starting therapy, Give BetterHelp a try. I've found knowing how to reach out is sometimes the toughest bit, but BetterHelp is entirely online. Boom. Which means it couldn't be easier. You just fill out a brief questionnaire to get matched with a registered therapist, then work your sessions around your schedule. With more than a thousand therapists in the UK already, BetterHelp can provide access to mental health professionals with a wide variety of expertise in mental health. Standard issue listeners get 10% off their first month at betterhelp.com slash standard. That's betterhelp.com slash standard. Standard issue for all women. Hello, hello, Mickey here, welcoming you to this week's Sunday Chops. And brace yourselves, because we are going to be talking about the government. What are they up to now? And how in the sweet fancy Moses are they squeezing it in amid all the chaos? I hear you ask between sobs. Well, last month, the government launched what is basically an attack on nature, proposing policy that's a huge threat to the UK's already rapidly depleting wildlife and, surprise, surprise, explicitly breaking promises it made in its 2019 manifesto. Who'd have thunk it? Oh no, I was surprised. Were you surprised? Etc, etc. I shall leave the details of what's what to Laura Taylor, Conservation Manager for Bedfordshire at the Wildlife Trust for Bedfordshire, Cambridgeshire and Northamptonshire. She was kind enough to get on the Zoom with me on Thursday morning, so... Just prior to, have we got a name for that yet? Lettuce Gate? I don't know. And she was outlining what exactly the government is doing and why it's such a terrible idea. And not just for our nature and wildlife. According to the Office of National Statistics, the value of all biodiversity in the UK for things like water, clean air, carbon sequestration, tourism, well-being, pollination, etc., etc., is £1.2 trillion. That's more than all government spending in 2021 on schools, hospitals, roads, welfare, defence. What else have the Romans done for us? Everything. So much for the party of the economy, as if we needed reminding. 
It does remain, however, the party of the sneaky bastards. So while we're all distracted by those in power doing the leadership okey-cokey and making the UK a political laughingstock, damaging policy is being pushed through. And, as you're about to hear, it's outrageous. Hello, I am joined on the Zoom by Laura Taylor, Conservation Manager for Bedfordshire at the Wildlife Trust for Bedfordshire, Cambridgeshire and Northamptonshire. Laura, hello. Hello, (laughs) thanks for having me. Thanks for joining me. And before we get into how, despite being utter chaos, the government is still managing to fit screwing nature over into its, I don't know, whatever it's up to. Could you tell us a little bit about what your job entails? My job here in Bedfordshire for the wider Wildlife Trust really entails overseeing the work we do to manage our own nature reserves, of which across the three counties we've got 100, but in Bedfordshire we've got 21. I also oversee the work we do within the wider countryside, which is effectively everything we do outside of our nature reserve work. Mm -hmm. So this entails providing management advice to landowners and farmers undertaking fauna and flora surveys, including those on important wildlife sites, promoting living landscapes and nature recovery networks, and planning development control work, and and basically much more. But that's just a a brief synopsis of what we get up to. That is quite the to-do list. (laughs) (laughs) Can I ask, what is the sort of gender balance in conservation work? Is it pretty equal? Within the Wildlife Trust that I work for, for the three counties, I'd say it's fairly evenly spread, Mm -hmm. actually. Within the teams that I manage, I've got probably an even mix. And, I mean, partnership meetings that I attend, again, I'd say an even mix. Yeah, I I mean, I've never thought, oh, there's a lot of men here or, you know, there's a lot of women here. So, yeah, I'd say it was fairly evenly mixed. I don't know if it's across the board, though. That's okay. I don't expect you to speak for everyone. Yeah, but yeah, we're we're pretty evenly mixed. And how did you get into it? Like a lot of the people that I work with, we're very passionate about what we do mm-hmm. and we want to make a difference. And I myself have been interested in the natural world since I was a teenager. I chose to do an undergraduate degree and master's in a relevant discipline. And, and soon after graduating, I did some volunteering with the Wildlife Trust. I got a job a few months later and the rest is history really I've worked here for about 16 years now and it sounds varied enough that it's always very very interesting and and clearly there's a lot of stuff to be working on that changes quite rapidly right completely yep absolutely my job has evolved in those 16 years you know things move on different projects come up I mean there's just a lot to do and it's very varied very interesting and we're all very passionate about it so you know we put 110 percent in I think when you're passionate about the work you do, then obviously it's really rewarding and it brings you joy. But given that you're working with nature and wildlife, and we are clearly in a nature and climate emergency, there must also be an underlying sadness and fear at the moment, right? Oh, completely. I mean, what's come out recently is, I mean, is it's fear and it's anger as Mm, well. mm which is why the Wildlife Trust has has formed a sort of coalition with other nature charities, conservation charities like the National Trust and RSPB and others, because we really feel that we have to stand up and and say, this isn't right. I mean, we're going to lead to the loss of more wildlife, more nature, if the government continue with these plans. And I mean, a lot of it is unclear what exactly they're proposing to do. 
Let me just explain for the listeners that in September, the government launched what is tantamount to an attack on nature because it is attacking the laws, including the habitat regulations, which protect our nature, specifically in England at the moment, but they are looking to do this in Scotland, Wales and Northern Ireland as well. And like you say, it's not very clear, which is why it's even more worrying. But could you talk us through what it is trying to push through and why it is such a catastrophe for nature and wildlife? The fact of the matter is, as it stands, we're losing nature at a faster rate than any time in our history. Mm. I mean, decade after decade, we continue to see declines in our wildlife, with one in seven species in the UK now under threat from extinction. So this loss of nature, I mean, has serious implications for our health, our ability to grow food and tackle climate change. So basically, I mean, the bottom line is we need nature to survive. I mean, that's why we're we're getting involved, because we are so concerned about these recent announcements made by the government, which, I mean, as you said, they pose a serious threat to the protection that for decades have safeguarded our remaining wildlife. Mm-hmm. And they're four, for us, four deeply alarming threats to nature. Um, and the ones relating to, the, to laws um, concern the recently announced retained EU law bill and the growth plan. So with regard to the retained EU law bill, I mean, this bill will effectively allow ministers to revoke hundreds of laws that protect wild places and ensure standards for water quality, pollution and the use of pesticides. Mm. I mean, there are at least 570 pieces of legislation that DEFRA will need to review as part of this process. Mm. These laws provide certainty to business supply chains. They provide the public with clean air, water Mm. and healthy natural environment. So, I mean, imposing a deadline to remove all EU retained laws by, I think, the end of December 2023, with very little parliamentary scrutiny, is not a route to improving or reforming these vital protections. The other one mentioned is the growth plan, where the Chancellor's effectively dismissed which Chancellor Laura? Where are you up to? <laughs> the previous one. <laughs> Quartet, the yeah. previous one, exactly. Yeah, I mean, I mean, it dismisses environmental protection as burdens, and so this new sort of planning and infrastructure bill and investment zones further threatens to weaken environmental assessments with habitat species protection specifically identified. I mean, there's very little information on it, but the guidance does say that these new investment zones will continue to apply for green belts, flood risk highways and other public sort of safety matters. But I mean, there's no mention of the environment or nature in there. So what we might see is within these zones, we could see the loss of nationally and internationally protected wildlife sites that have no legal requirements for mitigation and compensation if they're lost mm-hmm. or damage to the sites from development. But I mean, that jeopardises the government's stated ambition of protecting 30% of land for nature by 2030, which, I mean, as it stands, the latest report recently released shows that only 3.2% of England's land is actually effectively protected for nature, which is an increase, I think, of 0.22% since 2021. So there's a long way to go. And these current threats to nature that the government are pursuing will significantly impact this further. And it is worth noting that all of this goes against the explicit promises of the Conservative Party (laughs) made in their 2019 manifesto. So why do you think it is happening now? It sounds like with the EU stuff, it's very much related to Brexit. 
yes, related to Brexit. I mean, I think it falls down to the fact that the current government think that nature impedes economic growth. I mean, which goes against a lot of what we know, mm. including what, I mean, they were elected for. They stated they wanted to be the most ambitious environmental programme of any country on earth. Yeah, but did they say whether they meant to save the environment or destroy it really quickly? I suppose, where is that that (laughs) ambition? (laughs) Yeah, no, indeed. I mean, it's very difficult to know. And I mean, I I find it hard to know where this is all coming Mm. from. Let's talk cash then, because you've just mentioned it there and the Tories are supposedly all about the bottom line, the party of the economy. And that is why a lot of these policies are a fiscal own goal. Nature is absolutely vital for the economy and brings a lot of money in. It does. If you take pollinating bees, wasps, butterflies, moths, I mean, hoverflies and all other insects alone, I mean, they're worth 1.8 billion to the economy every year. Wowzers. Yeah. I already loved bees and now I love them more. (laughs) Indeed, exactly. And that's because of the service they provide in pollinating crops for food production. But sadly, we're losing them at an alarming rate. Uh, So it's very frustrating. Also, uh, these losses in pollinated bees is very much linked to the way we farm. So the intensification of agriculture has led to destruction of habitats. Basically, what is left is becoming increasingly fragmented. So, um, you know, further habitat loss, it's driven by urbanisation and insect pollinators already affected by the heavy use of pesticides and herbicides and more habitats through climate change and disease. So, What the government are now announcing in terms of the ELMS, which is the Environmental Land Management Scheme, they're now proposing a review, puts that in further jeopardy. I mean, it will affect our pollinators further. Just to let the listeners know, the Environmental Land Management Schemes were meant to reward farmers for restoring nature and preventing pollution, entering rivers and climate-proofing their farms, climate-proofing their businesses. Letting down the farmers is just the same as letting down nature. They, They go hand in hand. They do indeed. I mean, if you take the fact that I think 71% or thereabouts of the UK land total is occupied by farms, I mean, they are vital custodians of the Mm, countryside and nature. Our area, we work with farmers and together we want to produce food and support a healthy countryside because we understand there is a food crisis at the moment. So, yeah, I mean, we're deeply concerned that they want to review this long-awaited environmental land management scheme, which they promised in their 2019 Conservative manifesto. The fact that they they were wanting to move to pay farmers and land manage public money for public goods, I mean, at the time, that's world-leading. But now it, there's suggestions that they're bringing it back to what it was, which was 50 years was essentially paying farmers for owning land, which doesn't incentivise anything. But paying them, awarding them for restoring nature, soil and water, those are the building blocks for sustainable food production. talking about land and with nature and going back to the economy a lot of our economy is fueled by tourism and obviously that took a massive hit during the pandemic as it did across the globe for places that rely on tourism but being this beautiful green land is why people want to come and see it particularly like the wilds of scotland so the thought that they're going to 
I'm not as professional as you, so my phrasing is going to be really fuck this up. It just feels like they're <laughs> shooting themselves in the foot. Oh, completely. It goes against everything that they promised. This Elm scheme, I mean, it wasn't perfect by any stretch of the imagination and delivery has been slow and it's not generous enough to support the best nature friendly Mm. farming practices but further delays or watering down would be bad value for money and it would hold back the recovery of nature and hinder the UK's progress to net zero. We think the Elms budget I mean, it should be maintained and guaranteed beyond 2024 and they should be providing three-way equal funding split between the, the sort of the three main areas within it. What are those? Sustainable farming incentive, landscape recovery and local nature recovery schemes. Mm-hmm. Those okay, are the yeah. three sort of key areas. So we think that it should be equally split with between those until it's clear how funding needs to be prioritised yeah, in yeah, order to meet our nature and climate clouds. So Laura, we're chatting on Thursday the 20th of October and yesterday saw a vote on fracking in the Commons that quite frankly descended into farce with reports of bullying and actual manhandling to ensure the government defeated the Labour motion. Labour wanted to formally ban drilling for shale gas in England and the government did win. It's all tied up in was it a vote of confidence in trust and all of this sort of stuff but the government did win not without its rebels fracking like there's still no evidence that it is a safe process that it is an economically viable process could you tell us a bit more about it there's not i don't think there's a lot of information about the exact detail but i mean the exploratory licenses that have been granted have been granted in areas that border national parks, Mm. areas of outstanding natural beauty and other protected areas, which are some of our most important sites for nature. So by doing that, it will lead to further fragmentation of the landscape in these habitats. But also, my understanding is there's potential for chemical contamination of ground and surface water and noise disturbance. So, I mean, it's very bad for nature and there's no evidence that proves it's safe. Mm. The Wildlife Trust, nationally, we do not support fracking in the UK and we never have done because it's not only detrimental to nature and wildlife, but I mean, it increases our dependence on fossil fuels and it does not help to reduce household bills or tackle the energy crisis. So it just seems absurd that this has been brought back. Fully agree. And also it seems nonsensical to me, even though I find it very hard, like almost impossible to get into the mind of a Tory and how that would work. But obviously there's a lot of wealth within the Tory party and within a lot of their constituents and their areas. And also a lot of what I would think would be nimbyism, right? So not in my backyard. And even if it makes money, they don't want it in the land that they own, which is beautiful. So again, it feels like, I mean, unless you're Jacob Rees-Mogg, obviously, thankfully not many people are. But it again feels like a real own goal, like they're going to get this pushback from people in their own party. So why are they pushing it? It's, It's so weird to me. It is weird. And I'll be perfectly honest, it's not clear to us either. I mean, we really don't know why they're pushing this again. I mean, the fact that senior Tories are against it, it's, yeah, we don't know. Laura, obviously this is is shit. Again, excuse my jargon, this is shit. (laughs) What can we do to help? Because there is stuff that, you know, Joe and Joan public can do to help. 
definitely okay so what we are asking people to do is to please please contact their local mp or their local councillor we've got templates for this so if anyone wants to look up we've got our hashtag defend nature campaign but you can also google wildlife trust defend nature campaign and it will take you through to our website i mean we've got postcards tweet or letter templates that people can send Mm -hmm. but the same goes for their local councillor but we've also got links to to find out who they are if they're not sure who it is so that is what we are suggesting or asking people to do is to is to contact them in the first instance to provide support to this campaign because it's worth bearing in mind that although we look at what's going on in the government now in politics right now and it just seems like it's i don't know like everyone playing british bulldog in the playground it's ridiculous this is when they are still sliding policies through policies to do with protest policies to do with policing policies that damage wildlife and nature so it is so important to still keep raising our voices and using our voices definitely no absolutely and where can people find out more about what's happening with our wildlife and nature where are some good resources if people have listened to this and think well i'd like to know a bit more about various things that we've talked about i would definitely suggest looking on the wildlife trust website www.wildlifetrusts.org and there's a whole lot of information on there also in there there's articles about saving bees and how important they are for the economy those kind of things so i would just direct people to our website brilliant so laura taylor she's found herself with a spare sunday afternoon and she's going to go and spend it in nature in some wildlife what does that look like where do you go where are your favorite places i've got a young son who's 16 months old so we're a bit limited (laughs) but I would go to some of the beautiful rolling chalk hills in Bedfordshire which is obviously where I work I know them well I've I've visited them before I mean it it, it's those I think they're probably one of my favorite places to visit we are totally spoiled in the United Kingdom for nature it is incredible and the way our seasons work it's just it is phenomenal it seems mad to me that this is so at risk (laughs) It is. The fact is, I think we are, though, in the UK, we are a nature depleted country and we're losing it at an alarming rate. And these sort of things from the government are not helping that. Um, But we do have some fantastic places to go. People come from all over the world, don't they, to Mm -hmm. come and visit. I mean, our Lake District, the Cotswolds, Devon and Cornwall. It's a wonderful country. We've got some absolutely fantastic wildlife here. It's brilliant, but we're losing it. Laura, thank you so, so much for chatting with me. And listeners, I mean, absolutely massive credit to Laura because I know she's cross about this and quite rightly so. And she managed not to swear at all. So, you know, badge in the post, (laughs) Laura. (laughs) Indeed, yeah. Standard issue for all women.